This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. For the third time in four races, Kyle Busch finished second, and it's becoming a frustrating habit. Even though you didn't win, does it give you confidence moving into next week? Next week's next week. Today's done, so no, it doesn't give you anything. Just uh, not good enough. We're right there. We're knocking on the door. We're trying. Kyle Busch is foot in the floorboard, working his way down the back straightaway for the final time. Kyle Busch will pick up his first victory of 2018 at Texas Motor Speedway. Great job, guys. Awesome, awesome job. Did it, man. Never give up. That's why we do it. You know, we just haven't been able to break through, but today we did, and, and now we can focus forward on being able to make sure that we continue this. The first win of 2018 for the 18 car. Welcome into NASCAR America, everybody. Presented by Mobile One, Carolyn Mano. And joining me, our Hall of Famer, Dale Jarrett. And also from Burton's Garage, the Mayor, Jeff Burton, along with Landon Castle. Landon, 21st place finish for you this weekend. What can you tell us about your experience and how fast the track was? Well, it was definitely fast. Uh, the, the weather for Saturday and Sunday turned out to be like 10 to 15 degrees cooler than uh, it looked like the forecast was going to be. So that makes... A great race for some danger and excitement on a fast track like Texas. <laughs> Jeff, what about you? I know you were paying close attention as well. Well, I think for me, I, I was—I thought the restarts were crazy. I thought that in every restart, something was going on. Uh, you know, obviously we saw some wrecks on restarts, and we saw a lot of wrecks that just didn't happen. They started, they just didn't get finished. But uh, I thought those restarts were crazy, and then a great race at the end uh, between two of the sport's best drivers. So all in all, it was a fun race to watch. Yeah, it really was. I enjoyed everything. And thinking from a driver's perspective, sitting there watching, you know, you, you kind of on the restarts, I would find myself, my hands were sweating because you <laughs> knew just how difficult that was. They were really on a razor's edge right there. And the drivers were doing everything they could. But to be in that outside lane, you just, you know, it's almost as a driver, you just like, how little can I give up here, but still uh, go fast enough to, to put myself in a position here. So it was very entertaining, a lot going on, not only on the racetrack, but on Pier Road also. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Let's stop talking about it, and let's actually take a look at what happened on Sunday. Landon mentioned the temperature. Goodyear had a new left side tire. It was cold out there, and DJ, it did not take long for the trouble to start. No, Alex Bowman got a little bit loose in the center of the corner. That got his left front tire down on the apron and uh, just caused a, a bad scene for a lot of people getting involved in this. And I think a lot of it had to do with the cold tires and cold temperature right here. Awesome. Dylan Palmenar, Daniel Suarez involved in that wreck. And then Martin Truex Jr. and Kyle Larson, Jeff, both with tire issues. Yeah, we saw that wreck you know, early in the race, and then it got followed up with this big incident. So now the drivers are really nervous because you have cold tires, difficult on restarts, and now you have them blown right front tires. Uh, that's the last thing you want to see on a mile and a half fast racetrack. A lot of times those things blow, you have no notice whatsoever. So glad to see both of these guys uninjured. Landon, there was a big incident on lap 178. What did you see here? Well, this is what I saw was a chain reaction type wreck that 
normally we see on super speedways. I saw this wreck a little bit before my spotter did and, and at a place like Texas with all this banking, we call it a self-cleaning racetrack where if you just go to the high side, you can generally miss it. You see all these guys sliding to the bottom and there's guys that don't think they should have been in this wreck that they just got collected. And then some pit road problems that you mentioned earlier, DJ, for Kevin Harvick. Oh, just a disaster on pit road for this driver and team today. You can see here, Lugnut comes out and actually goes into the jack there. The jack man's going around trying to make all of this work on this pit stop. And then the next, uh, or a couple of pit stops later, they had some more issues. You can see them rolling the tires back. The crew member falls over the wall, so they got penalized for having too many men over the wall. It's just a bad day in the pits for this group. Kevin Harvick had a rough day, but the day certainly belonged to Kyle Busch. This is lap 240, Jeff, the third to last restart here. He gets ahead of Eric Jones. Yeah, Kyle Busch right now just is learning if he wants the bottom or the top on these restarts. Right there, he's able to kill, clear Eric Jones, and now it's clear sailing. So a little bit later in the race, he was able to do the same thing and keep Kevin Harvick behind him. Bush saying after that a win on a track that isn't one of your best means even more, and it certainly meant a lot for him to win at Texas. Bush holding off Kevin Harvick to earn his 44th career Monster Energy Series win, tying him with Hall of Famer Bill Elliott, Jamie McMurray, Eric Jones, Ryan Blaney completing the top five, Clint Boyer following his Martinsville win two weeks ago by finishing in ninth. And here are some other notable results as well. Chase Elliott finishing in 11th, and the newly married Chris Buescher was 15th at his home track. But it was Kyle Busch taking home the cowboy hat and the six shooters. He spoke with Kelly Stavis after the race. Well, it only took seven races in 2018 for Kyle Busch and this 18 team to get their first victory. But Kyle, the way that you guys have been running, finishing so close, so many runners up, runner-ups, did it feel like a lot longer? Uh, yes and no. I mean, some of those weeks we were runner-up because that's all we had. That's what we deserved. And a couple of those weeks uh, we were runner-up or third, and we thought we actually had a shot to win. You know, we could have, should have, would have. A couple things would have maybe gone a little bit differently. But um, overall, just a um, really great day for us. It's hard to win here. This is a difficult track and a challenging one and a really fast one at that. So um, just a great day overall. Adam and the boys really did a great job. They executed on pit road. They did a really good job with adjustments, and we were there all day. Just a couple days ago, Kevin Harvick essentially proclaimed himself the king of the mile and a half. So how significant that he was the one you had to go head to head with and you beat him? Yeah, it was. Uh, I, they were a little bit better than us earlier on in the race. They were certainly faster. They, they were able to pass us and kind of move on. Uh, there at the end, he wasn't able to pass us. I think we gained on our car a little bit, made it a little bit better. Um, he was certainly stuck in my wake. You know, if he could have got a couple shots, maybe he would have been able to get by us. But I still felt like uh, overall, you know, we did what we needed to do and we hit it where we needed to there at the end and then um, was out front where it mattered. You know, the four, he's obviously uh, on it right now. They, they, are, they are ticking and clicking right where they need to be. And, and we are too, you know, so I feel like we're a top two. That, that was a top two race right there of the season long. So you bring uh, JGR its first win of the season. We saw Eric Jones as well up leading laps. What could this do for the organization as a whole moving forward? I think it's I think it's a really good thing. Obviously, anytime you get to victory lane, it just kind of proves your strength, shows your strength. Uh, I think the 18 team, I think we've had that with Joe Gibbs Racing so far this year and Toyota of having some strength. You know, we just haven't been able to break through, but today we did, and, and now we can focus forward on being able to make sure that we continue this uh, and hopefully put on a, a continuance of this stretch of, of top, top three finishes. All right, well, Kyle Busch, now three wins here at Texas. That ranks third all-time, 44 career cup wins now for Kyle Busch. Kelly, thank you. And in each of the last three seasons, Kyle Busch has made it to the championship four in Miami. Will he get there again? We're going to find out this fall. Rowdy becoming the fifth driver to virtually guarantee his spot in the Monster Energy Series playoffs. 
with a win. Honest comments, as usual, from Kyle Busch after speaking with Kelly Savas, saying that we have wanted to win a race so far this season, but we haven't deserved to win them all. They certainly deserve to win this one. What was your big takeaway from Kyle Busch's win this weekend? Yeah, I think the biggest thing to me was he got out front, but then he did a great job of holding Kevin Harvick off. I think he knew that Harvick still had the fastest car that uh, yesterday and he saw him closing in. And it's so easy as a driver leading the race to make a mistake in that situation, especially when they didn't have much room to operate on. I mean, you missed the, the groove by six inches, and you were going to slide up, couldn't get back to the gas. And that was going to allow Harvick to get right to the bottom. So I was really impressed to watch Kyle Busch be able to hold Kevin Harvick back here. But even more than that, you know, it was a good weekend. He had a faster car. They keep making them faster. They've been really good all year long. Harvick's just been outstanding. And so it's made it difficult to really realize how good Kyle Busch and his team may really be. I think he and Adam Stevens came out with, with a purpose this year. I think, and I want to change this to, we need to start talking about Kyle Busch being one of the best of all time, in my opinion. Uh, he's such an outstanding race driver. You know, he's, yeah, he's not that young gun anymore, if you will, even though he's 32, 30, 33 yeah, years 33, old. I mean, that's not pretty that young. Old, yeah. But let's look at how he's climbing up the ladder in the Cup Series with each of these and just continue. You think about 10 more years winning four to five races a year, where that's going to elevate him to, uh, you know, talking about getting past Dale Earnhardt and, and Daryl Waltrip and Kale Yarbrough and people like this and, and challenging Jimmy Johnson and, and Jeff Gordon as far as the number of wins. And then you look at the trucks, all the races that he's won in that. Uh, I think he's 50, only one behind Ron Hornaday, who has 51. And he's almost twice as many wins as Mark Martin, uh, who is second in the Xfinity Series. So he just has a tremendous talent, always has. And, you know, sometimes we want to dwell on what he doesn't do and the, the issues that he has sometimes, uh, how mad he gets. He's just such a fiery competitor, but he takes that with being so good behind the wheel. And, Jeff, I didn't only got to race with him uh, a couple of years there, and, and uh, but you had more times to race and battle with him. And I, I don't know if you have kind of the same opinion, but I just think he's an outstanding talent. I really do, Dale, and I think what I'm so impressed about with, with Kyle that from the day he came uh, to the series is he puts everything he has into every lap. And, and guys like that that have that talent, they're hard to beat. You know, some guys have a lot of talent, but they may not try quite as hard. Well, Kyle has a lot of talent, and he puts effort into every lap. And I know that sounds silly, but when you're pushing as hard as you can, I don't think Kyle takes a lap off. I don't think Kyle says, you know what, I, I'm, I'm going to roll right here. We did see, I think, on Sunday, there was a time where, where Harvick was running him down, and Harvick got to within about two seconds of him, and all of a sudden Kyle Busch picked the speed up. And that was a little bit early in the race, not that last run, and that was, to me, Kyle Busch's intelligence. So when you start putting experience, racing intelligence, uh, skill, desire, you start putting all that together, I think that's what you have in Kyle Busch. Yeah, he's, he's definitely got that figured out. And, and when you talk about him taking every lap hard, he takes every restart hard, and, and I'm not just talking about being good on restarts. I'm talking about through the restart zone. You look at his lineup with him against Eric Jones, and as a driver, when I see Kyle Busch on the front row controlling the restart, he is the master at slowing the field down and controlling that speed. And when DJ said earlier, you know, the key for Kyle was getting out front and holding that track position, if Kyle is controlling restarts, he's he's going to eat their lunch. That's what he did with Eric Jones on the outside row, and that's how he can hold off Kevin Harvick every time. And, and I think what makes him so good at those big moments is that every moment's a big moment. So, DJ, you know what I'm saying? Like, yep. if you only try to step up at those last two restarts, 
you don't have the same experience as you do if you treat every restart like that. And I think that's where Kyle, uh, because he cares so much and because he gives so much, and I think Harvick's the same way. I think Harvick and he really race very similar. They, they really do. And there's no coincidence that they're both climbing up that all-time win list. And I think that, I mean, I really believe that those are two of the best in our sport. I mean, I just think that they are. When you just look at driver talent, uh, obviously Jimmy Johnson, you know, still, I know he's on a slump, but, you know, Kevin Harvick and Kyle Busch have got to be on that list. So what you have now, DJ, is Kyle Busch and Kevin Harvick establishing themselves as the two drivers to beat so far this season. When I think about the personality and the talent, like we've mentioned, of those two drivers and where they are right now as it relates to all time, how much potentially combustible <laughs> could there be about this rivalry with these two drivers who are willing to race harder than everybody else, say things that other drivers won't say if this trend continues throughout the season? Yeah, and, and we're not trying to start a rivalry. I think there's one already there between these well, two because love, they're so good. Listen, but, they both love to win. Yeah, they do, and they're just so competitive. They, I think more than they love to win, they hate to lose, sure. if that makes any sense. Yeah. You know? And neither one, the thing about them, they're so talented that they're, they're – they're not afraid to fail at trying to get everything that they need to get, but they really have so much confidence in their talent. So we're going to be the beneficiaries of this, uh, especially as we start to take over the season at, at NBC. Uh, they're really going to be in the middle of it and heated and getting ready for the playoffs by that time. And this can be a lot of fun because they're going to have a lot to say to and about each other as this goes along, especially the more times that they race and run one, two. We've seen heated moments from both of them at the racetrack. We did see a softer moment from Kyle Busch after he won at <laughs> Texas. I don't know if you guys saw this at home. So he celebrated wow. in style. He took the fam to In-N-Out Burger, uh, went big probably after the race. In any case, right the servers <laughs> had some fun, and he signed a hat for a youngster as well. And we see a lot of this, DJ, on social media from Kyle Busch. We, we see the, you know, the fiery side of him, the side that hates to lose, and then after the race, especially after a win, we get to see some fun stuff as well. Yeah, you know, we've talked about this so many times, especially since his injury, which kind of coincided with, with the birth of, of Brexton and how Kyle Busch has changed. And so it, we are seeing that and Jeff just mentioned that he's a more mature driver now and that experience is helping him do all kinds of things and that experience is also taking him to another level here of really having fun with the fans and so you know Dale Earnhardt was hated at one time by a lot of fans because he won so much and he didn't mind speaking his mind. And But then as he kept winning and they got to see another side of him, then everybody swapped over to, to Dale Earnhardt Sr. And I think that Kyle Busch is on the same path here, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, well, we all know that um, Kevin Harvick's nickname is Happy. <laughs> but after those setbacks that we saw on Pit Road Sunday in Texas, he wasn't. We're going to hear what he had to say after the race next here on NASCAR America. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. Welcome back, everybody. Manchester City look to take one step closer to winning the Premier League title when they travel to Wembley to take on Harry Kane and Tottenham. It is Spurs City Saturday, 2.45 Eastern, right here on NBCSN. So it was a tough weekend, to say the least, on pit road for Kevin Harvick. He had several bad stops. They began in the Xfinity race, and then they ended up carrying over into Sunday with his four team. There were issues with uncontrolled tires and lug nuts and air guns. Oh, my. Kelly Stavis has more on the weekend. 
Well, the race here in Texas certainly had its share of incidents both on track and over the wall, especially for the four team of Kevin Harvick. Harvick had several issues on pit road and was one of several drivers who experienced a loose wheel throughout the race. Afterwards, as frustrated as Harvick was with the performance of his own pit crew, he shared equal frustration for the equipment given to them by NASCAR. The pathetic part about the whole thing is is the is the pit guns and you know the the pit guns have been absolutely horrible all year and and our guys do a great job on pit road and, and you know the pathetic the pathetic part about it is the fact that you get handed something that doesn't work correctly and those guys are just doing everything that they can to try to make it right it's just absolutely it's embarrassing for the sport there's a course of action each and every week as far as like trying to have constant improvement with the pit guns so it's not like we're just it's not like we're just con uh, collecting data and sitting on our hands. We're, we're actively working with Paoli to try to rectify whatever problems that we may have. The program has had a few more hitches in it than obviously we wish that it would, but, but we're making progress with it. So we'll continue to do that and continue to evaluate, continue to try to get better every week, make sure that we dig into whatever problems happen up and down pit road and get them rectified. All right, Jeff, so a lot of discussion, and Landon, I know you've heard it as well, about these standardized pit guns that have been creating issues. This weekend, though, Jeff, it seemed to ramp up significantly after the race with many drivers, Kevin Harvick included, frustrated. Well, I don't think there's any coincidence that you went to a racetrack that was exceptionally fast with a lot of loading. So when you have that much loading on the wheels, uh, if, and if the lug nuts aren't completely tight, then you're going to have a much more severe vibration than you would at somewhere that didn't have that loading. So, uh, you know, what people seem to be having the problems is that they may not torque up quite as much as the old guns. Um, and, you know, this is part of the process that they're going to go through uh, whenever a change like this is made. Now, I will say this, uh, there have been more problems than there should be, uh, but I have to wonder because, you know, DJ, Landon, we've all seen this. If, when NASCAR comes in and says, this is what you have to do, and something happens, everybody says, well, it happened because of that. And, and you didn't hear a lot about when a team broke their own gun because, or had a, had a loose lug nut that it was their own gun's fault. But with, in this case, anytime that something happens, they're gonna point the finger at the gun. Now, I'm not saying problems hadn't happened because of the gun, because certainly they have, but uh, it'd, be, it'd be interesting to see the real amount of problems that have happened throughout the whole year. Yeah, well, I can tell you last year, I had a number of loose wheels on my car and they were pit gun issues most of the time. And, and I had a Stuart Haas pit crew last year. So uh, there have been pit gun issues in the past. Um, I think one thing is really interesting that you kind of touched on. For the past number of years, these, these tire changers have been trained to not only have extremely fast hands with high-powered guns, but maybe only hit three or four lug nuts as well. So we're kind of having to retrain these guys. The, to me, the tough part, and this is kind of just an overview for Kevin Harvick, is everybody in life has their struggles, right, throughout life. And for Kevin Harvick, regardless of pit guns or whose fault it might be, his struggles in life seems to be, seems to be a pit crew issue. He's, he's lost a lot of races through the years that he yeah. should have won because of things that happened on pit road. So I don't know what kind of mojo or karma is going on there, but <laughs> that's his battle in life. That's a great observation. And I think the, the thing that I'll say is that 
I think this should have been done and tried in the Xfinity Series first, my opinion, because you look at the NFL. If they want to make changes, they, they try those changes in preseason. It's not put into place right then. Even the NCAA uh, with the NIT this year went to going to four quarters instead of two halves just to see how that may work. So mm-hmm. I think it should have started in a lower series. Make sure that the guns are, are – properly working because a lot of the same pit crews do it. And that's not to say that the Xfinity series isn't uh, an impressive series on its own, but let's try it at a lower series before we go into the cup series. And again, yeah, it's going to, as Jeff just pointed out, he's going to get all the blame, whether it's to blame or not. Well, Jeff, just very, very quickly before we change topics on this. So NASCAR instituted these guns. If this continues to be a real problem, is there any chance that this is going to change over the course of the season or are these, these pit guns here to kind of stay? I, I think these big guns are here to stay. I, this, the problems will get fixed. I mean, it, it's, you know, I don't think you're going to see a long-term multitude of problems. I think you're always going to have pit gun problems. I don't care who's building the pit guns, but I think in the short term, it's going to be painful. The process of getting these problems fixed is on front and center. It is front stage, and, and you can't hide from it. But I think long-term, uh, this problem will, will certainly be minimized. Well, and let's not forget that the team's asked for this they were spending a lot of money on pit guns so you know you can kind of blame nascar a little bit but the teams did want to change all right so let's get back to the uncontrolled tire that we saw in the highlights involving kevin harvick's team because there was a lot of discussion about this as well that wasn't called for what many feel should have been called and then after the fact you had kevin harvick's team interacting with nascar officials down on pit road in a way that many people didn't think was appropriate in the sport there was some fist bumping going on hey we saved one that sort of thing. Where do you stand on on this controversy that came out of the weekend? Well, uh, yeah, they did have one that was called. Well, that was actually he was trying to get a number control tire. Yeah, but yeah. I think but, it was the but tire. But with this and yeah. this, you know, these guys are friends. You know, they're around each other all the time. The pit crew member and the officials, they deal with them all the time. Unfortunately, there's cameras everywhere now. You know, <laughs> heck, we used to go out and have a beer with the, the officials and things. And it wasn't because we were trying to get anything in particular, but you wanted to stay on their side. So that that's another gesture to me. I think that the, the thing is that, you know, this is a penalty that's not called from the trailer. If there's something that looks like it may be, then it's sent upstairs and they make the call there. I, and so from there, it's going to be a judgment call. You're going to be on the right end of some and on the wrong end of some others. So Kevin Harvick and his team are going to have to remember the next time that they thought that they shouldn't have got a penalty, but get that penalty, they're going to have to remember back that they didn't get one here that could have easily been called that. Jeff, the days of having a beer with a NASCAR official are over. I mean, whether you guys like it or not, that is not the sports world that exists right now. Is this something that we all need to take a closer look at? Well, listen, that NASCAR you know, today came out and said they missed the call. They should have made the call on Kevin Harvick. They missed it. But that official, as Dale just said, that official on pit road, he's not the one making that call. He's given the information. He's relaying the information to the team. So I know this doesn't look, you know, look good, but I'm like Dale, man. I mean, we've gotten to the point in society where we were so suspected that, you know, well, NASCAR's in cahoots with Kevin Harvick. Well, then well, Kyle Busch won the race, or are they in cahoots with him? I mean, you know, come on, guys. I mean, at some point, we, we got to have a little bit of common sense and understand that NASCAR is not there to help a particular team. They're there to keep it fair. They missed the call. They didn't miss the call because they wanted Kevin Harvick to have a shot to win the race. I mean, people that think that, you know, that's just a conspiracy theory, and that's not what's happening. Well, everybody loves black helicopters and a good conspiracy theory, especially in the NASCAR garage during a rain delay or something like that. But 
I, I want to give the sport just a little bit of credit here because you, you brought up basketball and football, and these are sports where you have two teams, a clear winner and loser at the end of the game, and referees that need to manage the, the rule over the course of the game and the integrity of the game. Where in NASCAR, you have 40 teams, you have uh, 40 officials almost, and, and so much technology trying to manage these rules. And there aren't clear winners and losers. There's one winner, and, and then there's people that have good days, and there's people that are happy with a top 10 finish or whatever it may be in their situation. So it's, it's, it's a lot for NASCAR to manage uh, as, as a sanctioning body. And I think, you know, typically they, they like to put themselves in a position to have a no call, uh, but this is, this is one that, like you said, just, just slipped through. And, you know, Carolyn, you know, how many years have we heard, well, Jimmy Johnson, you know, NASCAR is helping him win all these championships. So why aren't they helping this year? I mean, come on, NASCAR. you got to step it up. I mean, that's, that's the problem i got with these conspiracy theories. Dale and I, we both raced, you know, against each other for a long time. And I never once had Dale Jarrett thought that Dale Jarrett outran me because NASCAR wanted him to. I thought he did a better job of driving, and his team did a better job of setting their race car up. And NASCAR had absolutely nothing to do with it. I think Todd Parrott had a lot to do with that speed there. <laughs> yes, that's where a lot of. Listen, I, we don't have enough time to debate it. I'm not sure how I feel about the fist bump. I can't lie. I mean, this is not the days where you guys are racing each other. But I digress. Meantime, we'll move on. Kyle Busch, uh, the big winner on Sunday. Of course, other top contenders, though, met with disaster. So who ended up with week one bragging rights? in our NASCAR America Fantasy League. The leaderboards are next. Sunday's race at Texas was the first in our 10-week NASCAR America oh. Fantasy League. 3,300 people almost taken part in this league, by the way, which is a great turnout for us, including all of the NASCAR and NBC crew. All of us, if you recall, Rick Allen declared himself the guy to beat going into Sunday, the first race of that we did. did this. And unfortunately, he was able to back all of that up because he led all the broadcasters at Texas. He sits fourth overall in the league. Dustin Long, Parker Klugerman, Marty Snyder, Steve Letart, completing the top five broadcasters after we won. Oh. This is our group today. Mm. We've got some work to do. We kind of, we, it, we stunk. Next second. Um, Next second. Yeah. Let's move on. But you know what, Jeff? In my defense, I got to say, I'm still trying to figure out this whole thing. Like, I forgot to pick who was going to win the poll. That was extra points. And then I forgot that you could move things around before the end of stage two, which would have saved me immensely if I could have gotten my garage guy out. I know Landon was busy. <laughs> Did you have somebody doing your bidding for you, Landon, or you just set your lineup and you're on your own? Well, I hopefully uh, I'm sure my race team is watching this show right now, and hopefully they don't know that I was actually thinking about my fantasy team when I saw Truex pound the wall off of turn four, because I was thinking, crap, I need to move Truex off of my roster and put my garage driver in. So you're gonna have to, you're gonna have, to have a code word. Yeah, yeah, but I'm gonna have to get my wife the password to my uh, fantasy team or something like that. Yeah, I was I was doing pretty good until that that Denny Hamlin uh, wreck, and I think I lost four in one corner. Oh and, man. Uh, I'm like, I'm rocking here, and whammo, I was done. But, Carolyn, I appreciate you making me feel better that you're ahead of me and you didn't know how to play the game. I yes. appreciate you. <laughs> yes. Well, once, you're I here realized, for me. once I realized I missed out on the poll points, I was like, oh, my God, i got to set it. And then I just set it and just let everything happen that happened. But, I mean, I don't know. I took a lot of your advice on NASCAR America during the week and plugged a bunch of your picks in. So that's pretty embarrassing on your end. Um, but I know you gave your best effort as well, DJ. Try. Yep. Yeah, well, Yes. Other than the fact that my garage guy was Brad Keselowski, I was going to thinking about maybe 
sliding him in after Truex had his problem, but then Brad crashed too, so I was out of luck. But. You know what I love about this the most? There are fans that are doing so much better like than all know, of us. I'd like to know how many some of those have, how many entries they have with well, just different names. Well, but it's impressive they even got to that point. Well, 296. Say, yeah, it's say Trickster1710 up there. He's got like more than double, I feel like, the points that I have at this yeah. moment in time. So congratulations to all the fans that are playing with us. I know that's a lot of fun too. And I think, please, um, Beat Rick Allen. I think Young Money 42 could actually be Kyle Larson. You think? You think? <laughs> I think it actually could be. Who is Squirrel Bait 3? Who is that? Well, Squirrel Bait, that, that, that actually probably is Austin Dillon as well. All right, Young Money 42, can you please beat Rick Allen for us so he stops talking? That's all we really care about. We are going to be following all the results in our NBC Sports Fantasy League through Sonoma in late June. I'd like to remind everybody this is a marathon and not a sprint. That's all I'm <laughs> exactly. going to say, right? Yes. This is week one. We have a little bit of time to uh, Rick will lose. To make Rick up a little lose. bit of um, time. And Dave Burns, who's at the bottom of our oh. broadcast list. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about Texas now, though. Let's send it back to Jeff and Landon. What else are you guys thinking about from the weekend that you want to discuss? Well, Landon, I, I think that the thing I found really interesting from this past weekend was the wrecks and the near wrecks on, on the restarts. And, you know, you think about a fast racetrack, that means there's a lot of grip. So if there's a lot of grip, why were there wrecks? Well, we were talking a little bit about one and two particularly because it seemed like every restart, especially with cold tires, that's where cars just got constantly got out of the groove. I think that that entry is so flat, and these cars are just made to be down in the racetrack. They're made to be optimized for aero performance that when you restart at the start-finish line at 55 miles an hour and you're going 130 into turn one, the cars just don't have the, they're not optimized. They don't have the max grip. That's what I feel behind the wheel, is that I'm skating on top of the racetrack. And not to mention, it's just hard to pass. So I saw every restart guys going three wide, you know, contact on every restart. And on top of that, you're going into the corner that has the least amount of banking on the racetrack. So when we're watching qualifying, we see teams go out and they come in and they want to sit as long as they can to get the tires cool. So, and you see them on cold tires, they go faster. So why at, why at Texas is cold tires bad? Well, it's, it's not, it, it, there's, there's kind of a sweet spot there. So you can't have just ice cold tires because then they're just going to be skatey. And, and we, the teams actually get tire data that's generated from each manufacturer. I've done a lot of those tests. I actually did the tire data tests at Texas last year. And, and so there is a sweet spot. It's, you know, there's a temperature down in there where the tires just don't have any grip. And then there's, there's going to be a range where they have the optimal grip. And then, then there's going to be an overheated range that you typically would see uh, three or four or five laps into a run if it's an 80-degree day that the tires have peaked out on their temperature. So uh, the, the restart zone um, timing, especially when it's 38 degrees outside, those tires aren't up to any, anything close to their optimal grip until at least two or three laps into the run. So, so I don't think the fans at home understand the impacts that – we saw Kyle Larson, Martin Truex Jr. Uh, we we saw some big hits. So when you when you have when you have right front issues, what you see other cars going through it. What is on your mind? How do you try to control that? Man, that's uh, as a driver. When you hear that tire pop, you have a very short amount of time before you hit the wall. And for some reason, it seems like every time you felt like you could have saved it. <laughs> I don't know if you agree with me or not. I'm sure you've had plenty of right front tires. No, I just shut my eyes. Uh, and yeah, yeah and, I gave up. But, but you felt like you could have saved it. I mean, in Martin's deal coming off the corner, that one hurts bad. Kyle's obviously going into turn one. That one hurts bad. 
you know, they're going to be sore in the neck here today, I'm sure. Their ribs are probably sore, and, and sometimes your feet get banged up. I don't know if you ever got your feet yep. banged up in the yep. car, but, um, you know, we're, we're very well contained in these cars, and, and we're very well safe from neck injuries and, and things like that, but our, our pedals, the, the clutch, the brake, and the gas pedal all hang from, uh, from the firewall there, and, and your feet are just kind of loosely hanging there, and, and they're not contained, and, and you can bang your feet up pretty good. So it doesn't surprise me to see those guys walk with a limp when they get out of the car sometimes. Yeah, and, and, and we saw Daniel Suarez, he, you know, after the race, his hand was, was splintered up, and he, he said on social media that he was going to be okay, and that was just... You know, he had that impact on that on the wreck, and he just got shoved up against the wall. And he he said he hurt it. I think he, I think he said I can't remember. I think he said it hurt his thumb, but I'm not exactly sure about that. So hopefully he's okay. But you know, we talk so much, Carolyn, about how safe these race cars are. But I promise you, uh, we the three of us can can attest when you hit the wall like that, and and you get in a wreck like Suarez, it hurts. I mean, it absolutely hurts. The safest as it's ever been. But when you strap yourself into something going 200 miles an hour, it's anything but safe. Daniel Suarez, by the way, is going to get his thumb checked out on Tuesday. But, Jeff, thanks for that. I know the three of you know exactly what's at stake when you get behind a race car. Meantime, we're going to check in on some of the top finishers from Texas, several drivers with the best runs this season. We'll hear from them next. Saturday night at ISM Raceway in Phoenix under the old configuration before all of the construction begins. For real, what a race in the Verizon IndyCar Series. A seven-lap shootout after the final restart between the silver Penske machine of Joseph Newgarden, the reigning series champion, and the newcomer to IndyCar racing, Canadian rookie Robert Wickens. It was a dogfight over the closing laps, but in the end, the champ, Newgarden, rounded up the rookie and set sail. Nobody could catch Joseph Newgarden for his first win of the new season, his first ever win here in Phoenix, and he takes the championship lead. So it was Team Penske's Newgarden with the win, Wickens with his first ever IndyCar podium in his first ever oval race, and Alexander Rossi back-to-back -back podiums for the first two races of the year. Joseph Newgarden takes that championship lead to Long Beach this weekend. See you at 4 p.m. Eastern. All right, we'll see you there, Lee. Thank you. We look forward to it. Let's focus now on a few top 10 finishers that we haven't discussed. And that group includes Bubba Wallace, who picked up his first top 10 since finishing runner-up in the Daytona 500. Kelly Stavis spoke to Wallace after the race. An eighth-place finish for Bubba Wallace is his best since finishing runner-up in the Daytona 500. And Bubba, the team used a little bit of strategy there at the end, but the 43 car really looked to have some good speed all day. How significant is this result for you today? Oh, it's huge. Um, you know, Drew made a good call there. Uh, I never really know what's going on besides driving 200 miles an hour. And he just tells me when to pit. And the next thing you know, he's like, all right, we'll be fourth in this restart. And I'm like, holy cow, all right. I just hate we couldn't fire off better. We were a little bit tight. I don't know if we were on the splitter or what, but we'll go back to the shop and debrief. But um, we can carry this momentum. Uh, from Texas and carried into this next long stretch of races that we have. So that's the exciting part about it. Good, decent, clean day. Uh, a couple of mistakes on my end, but we were able to clean them up there by when it counted at the end of the race and, and walked away with our top 10. So our, our click and close Chevrolet was, was decent speed all weekend long, and we, we continue to make it better throughout the race. So we're finding what works for our cars and what doesn't, and uh, that's what we can build off of. Bubba, what was it like there at the end of the race when you have guys like Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, the top guys in the series that you're up there battling with? No, I think that goes a long way for them, hopefully, you know, earning respect from those guys. And, you know, the, the position we were in with Kevin for the Bellicky dog, I did a hell of a job <laughs> holding them off. Uh, Three-time winner already this year. I did pretty damn good. So I was excited about that. It just
just shows the, the hard work and effort that went into our car to be able to do that. Uh, our car fell off a little bit before his did, obviously, and that's why he got biased. But for that long of a run, you know, I thought I was learning as much as I could there. And I think, you know, Kevin will either be pissed or say good job. I don't know. Well, great job out there. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> the age-old question. Uh, great day for Bubba Wallace. Seemed really happy about it afterwards. Um, and results are results, and momentum is real. As far as this group that picked up some really impressive results, how much of that is taking advantage of opportunities, staying out of trouble, that sort of thing on a day like Sunday? Yeah, that's what a lot of 500-mile races are about. And, and this certainly at Texas, 500 miles is a long time. And, and putting yourself in position, staying out of trouble, not getting in, in too much trouble along the way, even if you get a lap down, because there were a lot of different strategies going on. Staying there, Bubba Wallace did a great job. But a number of others, you saw Michael McDowell, uh, Ross Chastain, Cole Witt, all finishing inside the top 20. But what I was impressed with was some of the teams that were off on the West Coast swing took the time. You know, A lot of people celebrated and, and took Easter off. They were working hard during that time and made improvements. And, and I think that that was evident over the weekend. So what that's going to do is bring the field closer and give us better racing. Yeah, and that's what we want at the end of the day. So not a season best for Wallace, but it was actually a season best for several drivers yesterday. William Byron among them, he picked up his first top 10 in the Cup Series. Also, season best for 41-year-old Jamie McMurray. He finished third and a driver barely half his age, 21-year-old Eric Jones, was fourth. The off weekend of our team couldn't have come at a better time. It just seemed like I don't. We weren't able to put a whole race together, and it uh, yeah, it was pretty awesome today to run as well as we did, and and to be at a track like this that we have so many of. Um, it's really important. I, I felt like the Chevrolets in general have maybe been just a little bit behind. Um, we didn't think that after testing, but then as the races started, we thought we were a little bit off. But uh, had a really good car today, so I'm proud of all of our guys. The racers' camera was good. I mean, a really solid day for us. Uh, the pit crew was on it all day. We picked up spots. We got the lead on pit road, so that was awesome. Um, so a great day. A lot of great things to build on, and uh, just proud of the guys for you know bringing a good car, keeping their heads up after qualifying, and uh, you know getting down and digging and uh, getting a good finish out of it. But I feel like I know what I need to go fast, and feel like I can give really good feedback uh, to Chris to make good adjustments to make it faster. And you know, I've just always had good cars here too. I think JGR is really strong here, and. It, uh, you know, all in all, just kind of fits together. I've, it fits my driving style. We've got good cars, so uh, we're always pretty quick. You know, landing on NASCAR America last week, you were somewhat critical of Jamie McMurray. At least you said that he needed to really step up. Um, maybe he was listening to you. He seemed to do exactly that. <laughs> yeah, we had a segment in the show last week, and, and uh, we picked a few drivers, and Jamie, Jamie was one of my drivers that I, I felt like needed to step up. He's, uh, he's, he hasn't been as fast as his teammate. He hasn't had the results. He's not there in points. And, and he stepped up on restarts. I think he got himself some track position on restarts here in Texas. And he held on from there. So, Jamie, if you're listening, which you obviously are, uh, now we need some stage points. <laughs> you know, he had, the, he had the final finish, but he, but he, didn't, have, never enough? he didn't have the stage points. So, until you, uh, you know, win both stages and win the race, uh, then I'll give you even more credit. But, but Jamie does deserve some credit. And that's a guy that knows how to do restarts. You know, I, when I first got into the Xfinity series, uh, one of my awakening moments in, on a restart was having Jamie McMurray blow by me on the outside into turn one. And I thought, OK, I, this is how these cup drivers are doing restarts. So he's, he's capable of it. I, I thought it was a really good day for Eric Jones running in the front pretty much all day. I thought that was good. I'm going to go back in the field just a little bit and look at Casey Kane because I really like the fact that he's driving a car that's not Hendrick Motorsports, but he was in there digging yesterday. He, was, he raced really hard. Ended up, ended up getting in a spin there at one point, but I like the fact that he's bringing 100% and, 
And he's not riding around trying to just, you know, just get a finish after everybody has problems. He's actually in there digging, trying to get all he can. I was really impressed with Casey Kane yesterday. It sounds like Landon is angling for uh, some of the proceeds from Jamie McMurray's future <laughs> earnings. I don't know. He may have to dial it back. Motivational speaker. Yeah. Well, either driver, coach, or agent, or something uh, like something that. Like you that. Know, I could get it on. Okay. All right. We're going to continue to spotlight the 18 team. When we come back, we're going to take a look at our paper review and also hear from crew chief Adam Stevens. That's next here on NASCAR America. There is nothing like playoff hockey, and we cannot wait for Wednesday when the Stanley Cup playoffs begin on the networks of NBC. Will Sidney Crosby and the Penguins become the first team in 35 years to lift the Stanley Cup three years in a row? That is the big question. And here is a look at our first night of coverage, the hate fest. That is the Flyers and the Penguins getting things started here on NBCSN. Very bitter rivalry there. Over on CNBC, we're going to have Minnesota and Winnipeg at 7 p.m. Eastern. And the nightcap here on NBCSN, Kings and Golden Knights. That should be a great scene for the first ever playoff game in Las Vegas. And Las Vegas, the hometown of yesterday's race winner, Kyle Busch. So as we do every Monday, let's hear from a member of the 18 team with our Picker Review. Bush will pick up his first victory of 2018 as he comes to the start finish line and wins Texas Motor Speedway. My name is TJ Ford. I'm Jack Man on the 18 car today. Man, today was just a great day all in all, uh, mainly because we've been in the position so many times we've been so close to getting the victory, and we finally pulled one off today. Bryce put 110% into it, and uh, to finally capitalize today says a lot. After a string of top three finishes without a victory, TJ4 and the rest of the 18 crew can finally celebrate a big win. And for crew chief Adam Stevens, it was his 15th win at the cup level. And following the race, he spoke with Kelly Stavis. Seven wins is all it took this season, but the way that you guys have been performing, I bet it feels a lot longer than that. Uh, you know, it's not that bad. You know, it was so long last year, you kind of conditioned for, you know, what could happen. And all you can do is keep executing and keep making good decisions, excuse me, and preparing good race cars and having good pit stops and uh, Kyle doing his job on the track. And sometimes you do that and it's not enough. Uh, today it was. How significant to get this win when at the end it came down to this team and the four team in a head-to-head -head on basically equal footing? Yeah, that was interesting. You know, uh, he seemed like he could get through traffic just a little bit better than us, but uh, we seemed to have the speed out front when we needed it and clean air and uh, Kyle took care of the rest. You know, what do you think about Adam Stevens' comments saying that it took a long time, but it really <laughs> didn't take that long because they are firmly locked into the playoffs now with a lot of season left to try to figure out what their strategy and game plan is going to be, and there's more opportunity to win. Yeah, the success of this race team, we talked about Kyle Busch and how talented he is, but Adam Stevens does a great job up and down the board, calling the race, having the cars prepared. Their pit crew is outstanding, and they also have a driver, too. We talked about his talent on the track. He does such a good job getting into his pits and everything, and seldom does he ever get caught speeding so he just does a tremendous job all the way around but they've got a great leader in Adam Stevens and that'll be why they'll contend for a championship. Yeah we always talk about how important that chemistry is and it seems like he and Kyle Busch really have it. Coming up we are going to hear what is on Dale Jr.'s mind with a preview of today's edition of the Dale Jr. Download Podcast. Stick around that is coming your way next. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. Just a quick reminder for you, Wednesdays with Jail Jr. coming to you this week, or as I like to call it, happy hour around the Big Oak table in Charlotte. And this week, DJ is going to be there. Jeff's going to be there. Rick Allen, 
Dale Jr. That is 5 p.m. Eastern. And until then, let's take a sneak peek at Dale Jr.'s download for today. I think everybody wants these guns to work, you know, because what we had before was a superior gun over here mm-hmm. that spent, you know, that cost uh, near a million dollars to develop. Teams trying to find funding just to be able to get to the racetrack, much less develop a freaking gun that's going to give them a second advantage at the, you know, on pit road or half a second advantage consistently. We need conversation about who the best tire changer is. Who's yeah. the best carrier? Who's the best jackman? To be celebrating individuals and groups and teams like that for their ability. And so trying to make a common pit run I think is in everybody's best interest. Everybody wants that. NASCAR wants it, but they've got to figure out why these why these issues are happening and get it to where it's much more dependable. So that was just a sneak peek, but much more of that discussion tomorrow. Uh, meantime, Earnhardt's teammate for the last 10 seasons at Hendrick Motorsports, Jimmy Johnson, has now sent a series of tweets relating to his performance so far this season. Highest finish of the year for the seven-time champ has been ninth so far this year. This was after Atlanta. He described the meaning of the word fear. And then today he posted a quote by Babe Ruth about never giving up. Just a little reminder, it's hard to beat a person who never gives up. Jeff, these both stood out to me, and there's been a little bit more of that on his social account so far this season. I know that they've had their struggles, but I'm fascinated with the psychology of an athlete and especially one as high profile as Johnson how do you interpret what these mean? Well, they're not having success. And, and he's reminding himself and his fan base and, and, and the haters that, look, you know, I am a seven-time champion. I do know how to win. I do prepare to win. I mean, you know, you go back two years from now, and in the industry, everybody has so much respect for Jimmy Johnson because of the preparation that he puts in, the effort that he puts in, physical, mental, all those things were the recipe for winning seven championships. And now they can't get a top ten. So, you know, Jimmy is still that champion, and they're not getting results. So it's his way of reminding himself and everybody around him that you, you they didn't forget how to win. They just got to get back to having fast race cars, and then I believe Jimmy Johnson will execute. You're definitely right, but I think we're seeing a mental state in Jimmy Johnson that we haven't seen before because the way he's typically addressed the haters in the past is just by poking at them on Twitter. Uh, but now he's taken a much more serious approach and, and kind of using some quotes that my mom sends me on a daily basis. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is such a sick burn from Landon Castle. No, but in all seriousness, this, yep. this does mark somewhat of a shift in terms of what he's thinking about and how public he is. Yeah, and he has to do that, especially in this day and time, to keep it going. Every champion has been through this. Well, I don't care if it was Richard Petty or Dale Earnhardt Sr. Everybody's been through this type of thing. All right, that's all for NASCAR America. You can always log on to NBCSports.com slash NASCAR. We will be back Tuesday, 5 p.m. Eastern, with more discussion. Thanks for watching. We'll see you then. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. 
Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability.